Welcome to the FPA Business Before Technology podcast, where our goal is to provide small business owners and key decision makers with valuable nuggets to help you grow or simply improve how you run your business, ultimately looking to increase your profitability. My name is Craig Pollock. I'm the founder and CEO of FPA Technology Services, and I'm your host for this podcast. Do you ever wonder what other business owners are running up against out there? Are you too busy working in your business to work on your business? Do you ever feel like you're in this thing alone? Are you at a crossroad with your business where some new ideas would help? For nearly 30 years, I've been helping companies grow and improve their businesses by leveraging technology, whether it's software, hardware, on-prem, or in the cloud, and at the same time, building FPA into the premier IT service provider in the greater Los Angeles area. This experience has given me exposure to hundreds of businesses and all sorts of systems, and as a lifelong learner, has helped me gather all I could about the ins and outs of running a business. And these are the sorts of things I want to share with you on this podcast. I'm super excited for today's podcast. As I think you'll hear right off the bat, I had to up my game to keep up with her energy. Janice Miller is the managing partner of Miller Haga Law Group and a highly recognized business transactional lawyer. No offense, Janice, but that doesn't sound all that exciting. But what is exciting is Janice herself and her approach to networking. She's the consummate, plays well with others. Janice has written a book called Cooperation, Cooperation with Competitors for the Benefit of All. If you network at all, this is a must read. From the foreword of the book, written by Davis Blaine, who himself is the ultimate networker, he said, I thought I knew a little bit about networking or building relationships until I met Janice. Janice has written the ultimate book on how to be a professional and how to support those who may overlap in your areas of service. She's the model for all of us to emulate. Those are pretty powerful words, and as a trusted advisor myself, definitely words to live by. So here we go. Buckle up. We're in for a great conversation around networking, the power of referrals, and playing well with others. Here's my conversation with Janice. Hey, Janice, welcome to the podcast. Uh, managing partner, super lawyer, provisors group leader, author, mom. Um, how do you time? How do you find time to do it all? You're like you're like Superwoman. That's it's very cool all that you've accomplished. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, I don't sleep. <laughs> you don't. That, that's the answer. That's how you that's win. Now, nah, only that's only, awesome. only kidding. I sleep between uh, maybe two and six in the morning or something like that. Still only kidding. I, I think sleep is very important. And taking care of yourself. One of the, the things that we talk about in the book is is super important. But I love what I do. I'm passionate about what I do. And uh, that's how everything gets accomplished. Yeah, that's awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got here, what your experience is. I mean, Again, you know, we'll talk a little bit about this book, Cooperation. This thing is awesome. But I want to just start out with, you know, your background. What, what what do you do? Where, you know, how did you get here? It looks like, I mean, again, some of the things that you've accomplished is amazing. I think that's so cool. But tell us a little bit about your story and how you got here. Sure. Happy to. As 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 I say, I think in 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 one of the chapters of the book and and for the listeners that haven't had the opportunity to read the book yet it's set up as little vignettes because it, it's horrible to say and I'm, I'm saying this in in deprecation to myself you know from an add perspective or or from a a uh, having a very short attention span perspective i like to get the point across 
to have a little key takeaway that I remember, et cetera. So we structured the book based on the alphabet and it's little short vignettes, uh, A through Z. So 26 chapters. And one of the chapters talks about my backstory, uh, which is your question. So um, I was born and raised in, in Philadelphia and moved out to California the night I graduated from law school, knowing, knowing that I always wanted to be here. Uh, the cold is just not for me. And when, when you leave the cold, you don't go back to the cold. Right. Right? I know that, I know that feeling, right. <laughs> 100%. Started out being a journalist and did my undergraduate degree in three years and then went to law school at night while I worked during the day and just knew that California was the place that I wanted to be and I wanted to be an entertainment lawyer but you really need to start out as a, as a baby lawyer learning and honing your craft so I did that for a few years working on what I'll call the, the dark side making war not love working on the litigation side versus working on the business transactional side of things. Then I got to work for a business transactional practice for a little bit and went to work for Disney and then spent the majority of my career at Universal Studios Hollywood. About seven years ago, I was given what I call both a curse and a blessing. And with Mark and the kids' approval, um, started my own gig and have loved it ever since. So our firm is a business transactional firm where we only assist people with things that need to be reduced to writing. So if you think of forming a business, operating a business, running a business, getting ready to exit a business, and all the things that happen in between, that's, that's one way of describing what we do. Awesome. Awesome. One thing that I noticed, and we've, we've known each other for a couple of years now, but you definitely have this amazing persona, like the style to who you are. And, and I think it's, it's so cool. Like it's something as, as sort of a, I like to call myself an ambivert, but I'm probably more of an introvert, but you're, you're definitely an extrovert and you have this, this warmth and this energy and like, have you always been like that? Or, or was it something that you like consciously worked on or I, I really love Out, it. I, I just, outwardly. Yeah. Outwardly, outwardly, in, <laughs> outwardly. Yeah. inside, I'm pretty much an, an, an introvert and would yeah. rather be sitting, sitting on the couch watching football than, um, than being out in a whole bunch of people that I don't know, making small talk. But it's, um, it, it's part of what we do, mm -hmm. right? As professionals, right. the whole book is based on the notion of helping each other so that we can help our clients. And in, in that goal of assisting and helping our clients and being, being a fixer, right, a problem solver, like Olivia Pope in Scandal, I like to say I'm the problem solver, mm -hmm. or, you know, going back to my football analogies, uh, being the quarterback of the team, you have to go out there for the team and, you know, you take one for the team. And so, you know, in, in public, maybe I have that, that great persona, but like I said, much rather either be running, working out or um, sitting on the, the couch watching football, which is sad because while the Rams did fantastic, and for those listening, this is uh, two weeks post Super Bowl. we're still on that Rams high, but now football is over until the draft in April. And I'm very sad about that. Right, right. Going through withdrawal right now. Yes, well, sir. I, I I hear that you're, you know, can appreciate the Rams, but I would have thought you were uh, an Eagles fan, no? Or, um, yeah, because that's where you're from, right? Right. right. Uh -huh. But I'm actually, we have dear friends that are Kansas City Chiefs fans, mm -hmm. so I'm more of a Kansas City Chiefs fan, and then the Packers, and the Rams, and then the Eagles, in kind of sort of in, in that, that order, in right. that in that order. Right. Old school teams, right? The old definitely school old school teams. For sure. So let's, let's uh, segue a little bit into, into the book. I mean, I really want to peel this back. Um, okay. Like I said, this is, there's some really, really cool stuff in here. So, and I love this title, 
right? I, I, when I first heard you use the word cooperation, I was like, huh, wait, what did she say? And, and it took me a little bit to, to get what you were talking about. Um, I don't know if you officially or unofficially coined that term, but, but kudos to you. It was actually the first time I ever heard it. So it was, it was well, pretty thanks. cool. Thanks. No, I did not coin the phrase. Uh, the phrase was coined by the gentleman that founded Segways, and by the way, died on a Segway. Um, and it was <laughs> unfortunate. And it was unfortunate. Yeah. And it was um, based back then on the notion that um, competitors in robotics competitions, high school students in um, competitions, can assist each other to make a better robot. And I hadn't heard that. I found that out in my due diligence. So I sort of thought that I came up with a phrase and then hearing um, throughout our provisor's journey, which is the networking group that Craig and I belong to, um, I heard that somebody else had used that phrase, um, but I trademarked it. So I have the mm -hmm. trademark in, in both a legal and business sense. So I, I got there first. There you go. That's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, literally, I was going to read a quote from your book, but you you took it right out of my mouth. This notion of cooperation, the cooperation among competitors for the benefit of our clients, benefit of ourselves and the benefit of our colleagues is key. Uh, many of us do the same things, but yes, we compete for the same work, but that doesn't need to be a bad thing. I think you have to have a certain level of maturity and confidence in yourself to sort of approach situations like that. Would you, would you agree with that? Uh, I'd agree 100%. Uh, one, of, one of our colleagues and dear friends, Laura Withrow, who's a um, employment lawyer, improvisers, all during COVID, and hopefully we're on the tail, tail end of that now yeah, going def away. Definitely, yeah. But for almost two years, every Wednesday night, she held a round table of all of most of the brightest employment lawyer minds where they would talk about case studies, what's going on with the laws, et cetera. These are direct competitors that work together cooperatively to benefit themselves, mastermind, right? Mm -hmm. She gets it. I mean, right. it's a brilliant, brilliant notion and concept. And, you know, I try to, you know, walk the walk, the walk and, and, and talk the talk when it comes to this pre putting on the record, you were telling me about an incident. I had a similar incident this week where somebody wanted me to do something that I don't specialize in. It was transportation law. And, you know, they had some other general counsel issues that they want. And they were very blunt. They said, look, we're looking for the specialty. If you can't do it, thanks, but, but no thanks. And I said, you know what? Not thanks, but no thanks. Thanks, but give me a couple of hours and let me find you somebody. And I did. I paid it forward, right? I, right. I sent out a note to all my folks that potentially do interstate commerce and transportation law. And we were able to find this client. They weren't a client. They came in through another provisor's member who potentially was looking for somebody, an accountant that was looking for somebody for his, his client. And I helped them out because that's just what you do. And that will, that will come back. So do you have to have a level of confidence? Sure. But another example, I have a direct competitor that I work with. It's a business transactional lawyer. And she and I share clients all the time. Why? Because there's conflicts. I had a conflict this week. I can't do both sides of the transaction. I won't do both sides of the transaction. She took the client on. Now, what does that do for the client? Number one, it gives the client a real competent lawyer that I know of and that I can work with well. So that betters the performance. Hopefully it's more efficient because you don't have to get to know each other. Um, you know, that's done and when, when, again, this is in a transactional setting, not a litigation setting. When we're doing this, the negotiation just goes smoother. Right, right. 
hundred percent. And what you alluded to about our conversation, I was using that as an example before we started, like you said, before we pressed the record button, where literally yesterday, the day before I was meeting with a prospect and it just wasn't quite the right fit. Like you, you describe in the book is, is, you know, maybe 90% it's there or 80% it's there. And, and not that I'm running away or looking for the perfect client. It's just, can they be served better by somebody else? So I actually, I had two referrals and I referred them out to two other people. And I'm sure, you know, I saw the emails after a while. It was like, guys, take me off the, the email chain. It's good. I don't need to sit here and listen to this. But I think that's that's something about being truly being a trusted advisor is, is knowing when to say no. And, and not just for yourself, but for the client, right? Uh, hands, um, hands down. There, there are many reasons not to take on a potential client. Mm-hmm. Like I said, from a conflict situation, if it's in a divorce setting, maybe somebody wants a female or a male. Um, maybe you're overwhelmed right now. One of the chapters that I talk about in the book is you just can't take on anymore. Right. It's just, right. it's just too, it's just too much for you. It's, right. So, it's going to be a disservice to the client and, and you have to, I mean, I think as a professional service, you, you have to, you have to be thinking about the client. You have to think about the results, not just sure, yourself. Sure. I, I think that that's chapter, that's chapter day, Jay, just refer out, right. If there's just <laughs> not one more look as professionals where we have a certain ethical obligation to do the best for our clients. And if we're overwhelmed and, and sinking, you know, throw, throw the client a lifeline and, and refer it out. It will come back to you. And you're right. When you said you just have to have a little bit of confidence in yourself and this applies in, in, in all things, mm-hmm. right. It applies right. in the sports field. It applies to younger professionals, just starting out as well as professionals like that us, you know, in, in the info technology world, lawyers, accountants, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, so, how did this book come to be? How did you, you know, I, I, I read it and I read the intro. So I've obviously I have an understanding of that and I sort of know the story, but you know, if you could share with us how it came to be, um, I think it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for asking that question. So long ago and far away pre-COVID, mm-hmm. when, people, when people were getting together in, in, in our organization doing what's called troikas or a meeting after a group meeting where you get to know people, uh, know, like, trust, refer is, is the mantra of this organization that, that we're in. In this particular setting, I was having lunch with, with two authors, one who happened to found this networking group, Provisors Data Splain, and then Nancy Paul, uh, who's a financial advisor in the, in the college space and does you know, college planning for, uh, for clients. And they were talking and I, they asked me about my background and I told them about Universal and my story there. And they said, you need to write a book. And I laughed and I said, yeah, between two and six in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then COVID happened. And we had just a little more time on our hands. And one of the blessings of COVID, I know that it was horrible for a lot of folks in many different ways, but one of the blessings is that my, my college-age daughter got to come home for eight months. Mm-hmm. And instead of being in the University of Utah, she was you know, sitting next to me doing her schoolwork. Right. And we would take, we live in, in an area where we're blessed to be about 20 minutes from the beach. And uh, after we're finished with this podcast, I'm going down to the beach for lunch today. So I'm very happy. Nice. Um, and, and using that opportunity for mental health. And in sitting down there, we, we sort of put the guts and the structure around the book. And then that was honed and refined and honed and refined some more and written and rewritten. And, you know, finally last August published. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I And I think that's, you know, to your point, it's like, you never know where these things come from, right? It's like, 
Correct. Before all this happened, you probably thought, uh, you know, it'd be cool to write a book, but who has time and blah, blah, blah. And then the next thing you know, here we are. I'm reading your book and it's out there and it's real. And that's that's so cool. Well, my undergraduate degree is in journalism and advertising. And I always liked to write as as doing what I do as a lawyer. You know, we write, we write legally. We don't necessarily write for fun. But I've written a couple blog series in the past. And, you know, with that journalism background in mind, I always thought it would be fun. And then, you know, with the help of with the help of others refining my initial thoughts and doing interviews with me and stuff, we came up with we came up with the structure that morphed into the book. And I love that structure. I mean, again, uh, you know, the, the concept, and you even stated it in the introduction. You said, in this book, you'll learn the ABCs of cooperation. And, and and literally, that's the way the book is organized, ABCs, right? It's like like you said, 26 chapters, A through Z. Um, it, it was cool. That was like, uh, you know, as I started reading it, it was like, huh, that's an interesting way to sort of frame this and structure it. Well, I used to I used to play the guitar too and write some music and and when you're doing that you're you're looking for the hook and you're looking mm-hmm. for how to right. get people like, into get it. to the so, chorus yeah. right so the the hook in in writing the book was how to keep it simple mm-hmm. and give you know give the idea the concept a little real world stuff and then a key takeaway for uh, for the readers to be able to you know read one or two chapters at the time the the book is only a uh, 108 pages and it gives uh, it's a pretty quick read and gives everybody those nuggets look there's nothing in the book that's not common sense it's just I had an opportunity to package it and put it all in one spot right well I think that that happens a lot I mean how many times do we read books and I know I do I, I read a ton of, of books but oftentimes there's like 90% of the book is a reminder of stuff you kind of already know, but it's good to get those reminders. And then there's like the details of refining that. And and I think that's what you really touched on here. Thanks. So I wanted to talk about a couple of these, right. And not to, not to go through 26 different letters, but um, even though I'm going to start with a always be the consigliere. So consigliere, how do do you see that? I mean, this is a great way to start, but tell our listeners what, what is a consigliere and you know, what, what does that mean? A consigliere is a, is a trusted advisor. And okay. I, I'm a big fan of the, of the Godfather. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in that case, that's where uh, Robert Duval's character was a trusted advisor to the Corleone family. And, you know, while that ended not so, not so wonderfully, you know, if it means that you're trying, your clients are trusting you and that they're looking at you for the ability to assist them with their deep, dark secrets and how to get to, to someplace. So what, what this chapter really is about is just helping your clients in the best way that you can. And sometimes that's not having you take the lead or having you take the lead with the help of others. But the way a book is structured, it's structured with a little story and then a key takeaway. So the story here is basically the fact that we were working on a big transaction. And as the quarterback of that transaction, I really needed other special teams to come in and help me. They needed a tax lawyer. They needed a trust in the state's lawyer. They needed a, a really, really good accountant, a tax attorney or an accountant that understood what was going on. And in doing this transaction, we brought them in and helped us. And it was it was fabulous because at the end of the day, we all work collaboratively to get over the goal line for uh, for our particular client, which we did. And we were able to do that by working together. So hence becoming, you know, our client's trusted advisor. Right. Or consigliere. Right. Consigliere. I think 
do you do you think that and and I have my own opinion, but it seems like these days the words trusted advisor are thrown around a lot, and and, and people uh, like to say they're a trusted advisor, but then you know, are they really? And, and I think you know what we're discussing here, where where you're referring work out to somebody else who maybe you know there's there like you said there's a ton of different reasons why you might want to refer something out, but coming back to the concept of referring to somebody else when clearly they're a little bit better than you is really what a trusted advisor is. So going on to that, the, the, the second one um, that I'd like to touch on is, is C, confidently refer. And one of the things that you say here is referral should be taken seriously. Right. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So here's, here's the, the issue with that. Your reflection to your clients and what you do or offer to your clients is going to come back to you. So if, if you have a particular matter that needs to go out to somebody or you have somebody that you want to refer something to, if you if the person that you refer to doesn't respond to emails properly or promptly, doesn't answer phone calls, includes typos, misses deadlines, does an overall bad job or goes over budget, that's going to come back and haunt you. So you, you really need to understand who you're going to refer this matter to, and you have the confidence in them that they're doing the best work for your client. Yeah, it all comes back to how it reflects on you. But but again, it's also, you don't, you don't want to, at least from my perspective, you don't want to refer people out just, just to give them somebody, right? Because it is a reflection on you. And, and that's what you said there, you know, they should be taken seriously. And not, again, not just on a reflection on you, but if you're truly a trusted advisor and you care about the end result, then you care about the quality of work that's being performed, whether it's you or somebody else. And another one that, that struck me and, and I love, and I think one of the guys, one of, one of the guys in our company has been with me for, for a long, long time. He's a, he's a former Marine, which, you know, I've learned that you say former and not X is embrace the suck. Uh, <laughs> and I love that. Um, how does, how does that fit in? Where does, what does embrace the suck fit into to the referral process? Well, the story that I tell in, in this chapter is when I was training for the triathlon, when I was at Universal, they had a triathlon team for Children's Hospital. And I love to run. I still run to this day. Biking, not so much anymore. But I, I did not like swimming in the ocean. Uh, in California, it's not nearly as pretty as Hawaii or any of the other tropical spots. And you'd have to go in with your wetsuit and stuff. And it was, um, it was a half mile swim. So I um, hired a coach and the coach assisted me right? And we just went into the water and I just embraced the suck. I just went ahead and I, I did it and did what needed to be done. What, what this means for, for purposes of, of what we're doing now, provisors, et cetera, et cetera, is there, there are sometimes things that you're just not going to like doing, right? Just there's, there's an area you're going to have a, a conflict with somebody. Uh, you don't get along with them. You know, it, it, it's something that as professionals, we're going to have to, we're going to have to do. So what I, what I like here is I like the notion of just getting in and get out of your comfort zone. Sometimes learn a particular area of the law, learn um, that if you can't do something, 
you need to be resilient. You need to refer it out to somebody else that your clients will, will benefit from. So they, they say that success starts when you get outside of your comfort zone and evolution starts at the edge of that. So you really need to just go and do it. Yeah, that's a, that's a, I think that's, again, that's something that comes from maturity and experience, right? Is understanding right. growth only comes from pushing yourself out, outside your comfort zone. Another one that, that struck me was phone a friend or an enemy. <laughs> I like that. What, what, do you, what do you mean by that? Well, I think we all have a, a, a Rolodex mm -hmm. and we all know that um, there are some people that we just pick up the phone and call no matter what. But there was one situation where we were dealing with this matter and I knew that the enemy, in quotes, was the better person for the transaction. And I knew that because they had had similar matter that had come up. So while that person would not have been my first choice, it would definitely have bettered my client, again, being the trusted consigliere, to use this person, uh, even though I didn't want to have to deal with the repercussions of, of being with that person, the transaction helped actually benefit the client. And sometimes, like you said, you just have to put on your big, big boy or big girl pants and just go for it if it benefits the client. Have you run into situations where, you know, you still see people who are, who are sort of, I don't know if I'd say fighting or clawing, you know, to win every opportunity as opposed oh, to... Yeah. 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 <laughs> that was a quick, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially, you know, you know, there are certain, there are certain folks in, in the legal profession, I'm sure in every profession mm -hmm. that just need to be right all the time. And they, they, um, they enjoy the conflict and that's why litigators do the best they can. That's why I, I just can't go there again. I like making love, not war. So um, I, I think that there's a place for that and, and conflict and conflict resolution is necessary when you're dealing with disputes between folks. Uh, so yes, to answer your question. And at the same time, do you get the opportunity or what sort of opportunities do you run into in terms of being able to mentor younger, you know, folks or, or people with less experience and help them, uh, dare I say, see the light and work in this sort of cooperation environment? Yeah, I, I um, when I was at Universal, I did mentoring all the time. We had different interns, uh, law mm -hmm. students coming in, and I've tried in our practice here to have uh, younger folks come in, learn the practice, learn learn some of these ways. You know, my um, my son has graduated from college now. He just became an airline pilot. We're very happy. He's 23, and my daughter's uh, going for her master's and still in school. But I've given them both copies of of the book and said, go talk to this just about this notion in general that everybody doesn't always have to be, even if they're uh, competitors at each other, that they can really assist and help each other out. Right. I think it goes to the concept, like, you know, that it's not a zero sum game, that it's not, exactly. you know, for me to win, you have to lose, or for you to win, I have to lose. It's how do we both win? Just make the pie bigger rather than exactly. This exactly is the size right. of the pie. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. How has the pandemic affected your business? Any, any changes or in, in terms of whether working with others, networking, or just work in general? Well, in the beginning, when everything was up mm -hmm. in the air and folks didn't know what was going on, you know, we spent the, the first month or two just uh, triaging for our clients uh, from an employment perspective, from a PPP perspective, trying to help everybody figure out what was going on. You know, early on, they said, yeah, you're going to be home for two weeks and that's going to be it. Right, right? now, now right. here we are two years, two years later, and we've all 
you know, dealt with this new reality. So in the beginning, um, you know, I hate to say we had we had one of our best years ever because we were out there assisting folks. Uh, I think the bankruptcy attorneys now, as as things uh, start to settle into a more endemic world that we're living in, mm-hmm. notwithstanding. Um, I won't get political, but notwithstanding the current crisis in the Ukraine, I think that there'll be some businesses that are, are that try to rebound. Uh, there are a lot of small restaurants. We do a lot of real estate leasing for my time at Universal when I was working at CityWalk. Mm-hmm. I did uh, a, 63 tenants at CityWalk that we did a lot of real estate leasing for. So um, I think a lot of small clients are still suffering from that. And will be impacted by that, despite some of the government loans that are potentially available to them. We represent landlords as well as tenants, so the landlords were crushed as well in not being able to pay. And you know, as we know, right. SH, you know what flows downwards. So the banks were looking after the landlords. The landlords had to camp onto the tenants. But there are a lot of situations where some of the landlords were great and helped their tenants. Some of the landlords were not so great and forced those tenants to go out of business. So while we don't do bankruptcy, again, this was a referral source for for some of us. We did try to negotiate out and help both parties work by potentially giving longer lease terms, by potentially extending the time for in a business sale for things to be paid. And that seemed to help out our clients. Um, did you change anything within your business? Did I mean, I guess you did. Uh, initially, you had to work remotely, right? Correct. But then um, anything anything specifically changed for you since, since sure. that? Sure. Yeah, for sure. We um, we downsized our, the, our office space and, mm-hmm. and I'm standing in our office now enjoying coming into the office. But one of my partners has been remote for the past two years and will stay remote for the past two years because he prefers to work that way and finds it more efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've, we've done several of the things that they recommended early on to do, and we were lucky enough to work with our landlord to do that. Yeah, that's great. Um, if we can just pivot for a second, uh, because the, the, you know, the title of our podcast is actually business before technology. We sure. actually, you know, what we do is technology, but I'm just, I'm just wondering like how tech friendly are you? How comfortable are you with technology and how, you know, where does that, play a role and did it, you know, what sort of role did it play in, in this whole remote world? Prior to pandemic, I I don't think we knew what a zoom was other than, you know, growing (laughs) up as a kid in Philadelphia, there was a, there was a show called zoom, you know, you zoom, 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 I zoomed. Right. I, I think that Microsoft teams, all of this has given us the opportunity to pivot and to be productive and move on. You know, everyone says, what would have happened if the pandemic was five or 10 years earlier? It would have been chaos. So to that extent, yeah, we use technology. Do we use our our phones all the time? Do we use email? Of course. We're, I hope, pretty savvy when it comes to uh, certain things. We use DocuSign, right? And have been Mm -hmm. able to uh, institute that. California doesn't have um, uh, notary signing online. So if we had to do any filings or anything that needed to be notarized, we still had to, you know, dress up and wear masks and have people come into our outside courtyard and try to try to figure that out. Right. Um, but I'd like to think that, you know, we're, we're hopefully at least up to speed. ADA website compliance and capabilities are something that the firm through our um, through one of our one of our lawyers, Allison Collet, we do and we pitch as part of our practice. So we need to make sure that everyone is ADA accessible when it comes from a website 
perspective. And uh, we do privacy policy terms and conditions on that. And then you know, PCI compliance. So from a compliance standpoint as well, that's something where we like to help our clients. Uh, the firm as a whole, I think we're, you know, I think we're, give us a B plus. We're certainly not up to date as, as, as you would be. No, that's great. I, I think you're probably ahead of most from, from what you're describing. So you guys do a lot of ADA work and also PCI compliance. Can you speak a little bit more about that? And like what, sure. what, what's maybe what sort of, you know, an example of some of the work that you've done or you yeah. know, who, who would benefit from that with you? Yeah, great question. Thanks. Um, uh, this week, as a matter of fact, we have a client that has a business and the business also, I mean, it's its a brick and mortar business, but it's also an online presence. Mm-hmm. And they thought that, you know, we didn't go and check all of our clients' websites, although we will now. We thought that they had a pretty good website. Come to show they didn't. They, they did not have an appropriate widget or they were not ADA compliant or have an accessibility statement on their website. And we received a demand letter for them this week. You know, we ran a diagnostic and some protocols for them, or they ran it through their through their back end. And we found out that they could improve and we've helped them improve. And look, we're all for ADA, absolutely 100%. And people need to adhere to the rules and to assist handicapable people, for sure. But some of the, um, my, my brethren or colleagues that are that are a little, let's just say they're on the lower end of things when it comes to just sending letters and suing people for the sake of getting the attorney's fees. That's what we're trying to protect against. And those nuisance claims can be in the, you know, tens of thousands of dollars and it's a disruption to business. So what we did in that particular case is we did what they asked us to do and complied. And uh, we consider the matter closed. Hopefully they consider the matter closed as well. So what is, what is it, what does it mean to be, are there, are there, I was going to say, what does it mean to be ADA compliant as far as a website goes? Maybe you could talk about that a little bit, but also is this a hundred percent, like anybody who has a website out there has to be ADA compliant or, or how does Correct. this, how does this work? Correct. There was a, the Americans with Disabilities Act was, mm-hmm. was instituted 1984 or 1994, a really long time ago. And uh, there's a rule 508A as it comes to websites that mean it has to be available for blind folks, hearing disabled folks, et cetera, so that they can have the same or similar access to somebody's website. So as a result, there are companies out there that, that assist with like Craig, your company, maybe, that assists folks in becoming handling the back end of things and putting uh, certain widgets or making the website and building the website more friendly so that folks that are have these handicaps, handicapable, can, can plug in and, and have a similar situation as you or I could uh, not having those uh, challenges. I've, I've heard about that. And we, we actually, we, we used to do a lot of web development, but we don't do web development anymore. But we, we <laughs> you know, coming straight out of your book, we have a really great partner that we work with all the time. Uh, awesome. Uh, Social Spice Media. I'll give them a free plug here. Uh, yeah, John- I was going to mention Jonathan and Jay yeah. for sure. Yeah, Jonathan Boring, great guys, great team. But yeah, they do a lot of this this ADA stuff. So definitely want to make sure that uh, whether it's Jonathan or or Janice and who did you say at your firm? Uh, uh, Allison. At my Allison. Firm. Allison. Um, definitely want to give her a shout out and talk to you know if you need anything related to ADA stuff on your website. Definitely reach out to Janice and Allison. 
Um, so a couple last questions. I know we're kind of coming up on our, on our time here, but what would you tell your, your 25 year old self knowing what you know now? That's a great, great question. Right. And maybe that's something you've told your kids, but you know, maybe different. I don't know. I would have left my corporate job earlier and come out into the private sector earlier and just to say, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You'll be fine. Slow <laughs> right. down. Enjoy the kids. That's one thing I did. There's a chapter in the book called Queen or King of the Land. And mm-hmm. what it really what it really means, and that's 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 more of a self-help chapter than anything else. And it just right. stands for the proposition that you need to take care of yourself first. Right. And I think what I would tell myself is, you know, it, uh, spend time with the kids because they're going to be out of the house soon. Enjoy life a little more because it's too darn short. And just enjoy the journey because mm-hmm. the means to the end is the end. And, and at the end, you're going to be six feet under, right? Right, right. It all, you know, it ends the same for all of us. Sadly. <laughs> no one gets out alive, as they say. And to, Very true. You know, and to your point, right? Like I, I think of it in terms of the oxygen mask thought, right? Like, yes. You exactly. got to put your oxygen mask on before your kids. You, you yes. have to. But to your point, you know, it's it, around enjoying your kids. I felt a hundred percent the same way that, especially at the beginning. And and for us, I have twins and a third, and it was just it was a lot of work. There was a you know, and they were like they were sixteen months apart, so it was just lots of work. And so when you're really young, you're like, oh my god, when am I? When are they going to be in high school? When are they going to be in college? And then there's some, there's some point where you get past that tipping point and you're like, oh my God, I only have so much time. I got to nurture every single second of it. Just crazy for sure. So one other, one other quick question. Do you have a go-to app on your phone? Is there something on your phone that you go, yeah, this is, this is the killer app that I always recommend to people. Right. I have tons of organized apps on, on my phone. Uh-huh. I think we all work so hard from a mm-hmm. personal perspective that I like to wind down at night and keep my mind going and play. So I, I, I love Jeopardy. It's one of my most fun things out there. And I just go to the Jeopardy app and and play some rounds, right. As, as, as a fun perspective from, and not so much on my phone, but definitely on my, my iPad, I I keep my Dropbox with me so that I Uh I have access to everything at all times in case I need something uh, and have the ability to, to work remotely. We truly now are blessed. Um, I was just talking to somebody this morning in, in one of our networking groups, and they said that, yeah, they have two lawyers that work in California, but one's in Wyoming and the other's in upstate New York, and they never plan on coming back to California, but they're California lawyers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, definitely Zoom and yeah. the, uh, the opportunity to remain remote and to be relevant and still, um, still do what you need to do. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, I, I like country music and uh, Luke Holmes has a song right now. What would you do if you wouldn't be doing this? And it would be, I'd be doing exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having the ability to have a phone that allows me to do the same thing wherever I'm at, as long as I'm sitting on a beach in Hawaii or at the beach somewhere, I'm a happy camper. Right, right. It's amazing. It really is. I mean, I think, you know, we've come so accustomed to the environment that we live in and work in now. If we think back about, you know, even just 10 years or 20, you know, the iPhone's maybe 11 years old, right? But, uh, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, this is unfathomable. This right. is, it's amazing the time we live in. And to your point, it's exactly what I was thinking about earlier. Uh, and I've said this from the beginning of the pandemic, if 
if this happened 10 or 20 years ago, it would have been, it'd be, it would have impacted our economy or people. I mean, it just would have been completely different in terms of the impact to our world and, and how many more millions of people maybe would have perished because we, we couldn't work so much remotely. Yeah, and absolutely. More people would have been affected by it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, hard, hard, you know, <laughs> hard topic to talk about, but it is, that's, that's the reality of the world we're living in right now. So any, any parting advice for any business owners out there, anything that you'd, you'd care to share? One shameless plug, the book is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. If anyone's interested, again, available in uh, available paperback, I would just say trust. This is a scenario I just had prior to the call and why our podcast was pushed. Trust that you don't necessarily know everything as a business owner. Trust that you do need trusted advisors to help with certain aspects of your business. Have a really good team around you. Again, going back to my football analogies, if as a business owner, you want to be the quarterback, absolutely. But go out to your special teams, um, you know, unless you are a superstar CPA, accountant, MBA type person. And there are people out there that are like that, but still, they don't know everything. Hopefully doctors don't heal themselves, right? They go to other professionals. I I would just say trust in your knowledge and ability to have those professionals and uh, the money that you'll spend on them will come back in significant dividends. That's that's some awesome advice. And, and I'd piggyback on that and say, uh, I, I think about things too, as well, in, in terms of business, in terms of football, like, or baseball teams, or, you know, even basketball, although basketball is a smaller team sport, but business is like football. It is, you can't play every, you, you, you can't block for yourself and carry the ball and throw the ball and catch the ball. It's not golf or tennis. It's not an individual sport, you know? Business is a team sport, so I love that. Finally, if if someone wanted to get in touch with you, you know, what's the easiest or best way to get in touch with you? Oh, great, thanks, Craig. We have a website, Miller ADA, ADA compliant. Yeah, <laughs> Miller Haga H A G A Law Group dot com, or um, my email address is Jane Miller at Miller Haga H A G A dot com, or our office line is we sell our phones. Believe it or not, we'll we sell have our phones. phones. Awesome. For now, uh, eight eight one eight. Awesome. Thanks so much. And we'll have all that stuff in the show notes. So don't worry about that if you missed it as you're listening and driving, but we'll have all that in the show notes and we can contact Janice any of those ways. So thanks so much for your time, Janice. I really appreciate this. This was awesome. I'm sure our listeners got a ton of nuggets out of all of this and definitely go, go Amazon or Barnes and Noble or local bookstore and Grab Cooperation. This is an awesome book. Thank you so much, Janice. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate the opportunity. Have a great day, all. And that was Janice Miller, managing partner of Miller Haga Law Group and author of the book Cooperation. What a great conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And it's always great to dive into the mind of a subject matter expert like Janice. There were certainly a lot of nuggets there, and I hope our conversation whet your appetite for her book, Cooperation. Whatever business you're in, I think you'd have to agree, her approach to referrals and working well with others is a key to success. Thanks again, Janice. I really appreciate your time and sharing all of your great thoughts with our listeners. If you'd like to find out more about what Janice has to offer or want to connect with her, check out the show notes for more details. 
Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. To learn more about this episode or hear previous episodes, check out the show notes at www.fpainc.com slash podcast. And if you like today's show, please do us a favor and share it with your friends. We'd really appreciate getting the word out there. And you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. And while you're there, please do give us a review. Again, we'd really appreciate that. You can also write to us at podcast at fpainc.com. And if you want to send us a tweet, our handle on Twitter is at fpainc. I'm Craig Bollock, and you've been listening to the FPA Business Before Technology podcast. And remember, with FPA, it's always about business before technology. Take care. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.